So I want to welcome you to our third week of this series simply called Idols. And I'm going to be honest with you, um, this, this sermon series is preaching to your pastor. Um, I, sometimes I, I, when I prepare, I go to prepare and I, I, I hit something, I read something in God's word or, you know, a book I'm reading or whatever, and I'm like, mm, mm, that's, that's straight to me, and I just, I, I type whatever I can, and then I walk away, because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to face that. It's kind of like looking in the mirror, and you're realizing kind of, oh, man, I've, I've got some, uh, some idols even in my own life. You, you probably do as well in our culture, and here's the thing that's tricky about idols. Idols nowadays, they're just infiltrated into our, our life. It's like they, they appear, and we don't even know they're there. Uh, it's not like the Old Testament where you built a structure and you bowed down to it, or you had some sort of statue in your home and you bowed down to it and that kind of stuff. We don't really necessarily do that here nowadays. You know, the devil has learned. It's like, you know, that's not going to work. But there are some things that do work with idols. And so uh, he's doing that very well. And as we talked about in our first week of, of this idol series, I wanted to make sure you and I understood what a lifestyle of idols will create. You know, the children of Israel had that. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, the, the children of Israel went back and forth from, uh, from worshiping idols to worshiping God, going back and forth. And finally, God said, you know, um, that's enough. And so he had other countries come and um, just destroy the towns, the cities, kill a lot of people, exiled a lot of people to foreign pagan countries. And after about 70 years of that, they were able to, to come back and see sort of the, the, the rubble of Jerusalem, how the temple was destroyed and, and the walls were torn down. And we see this in the book of Nehemiah as Nehemiah was called by God to sort of lead uh, this construction crew of rebuilding the wall. And we even see in the book of Nehemiah how to handle, how to walk through an aftermath of idols. I believe as a church, we could be very well, could be in an aftermath of idols in our country. We've had opportunities after opportunities after opportunities as a country to turn our hearts to God. Even as a church, I think over the years, as the bride of Christ, we've got off track a little bit. Yeah, we've had some great days of revival, but there's all some, some, some things within the church where we've made it so much about us and not about what God wants to do. And so because of that, we put other things before God. And so we see in Nehemiah, and, and we're actually walking through this right now as a, as a church. One of the things that, that, um, that we learned is that Nehemiah, he, he fasted and he prayed before the Lord. That's how he responded. Another thing he did is he repented before the Lord. There was a, a time of repentance. He also reminded God of his promises. God, you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're here with us. And so um, he reminded God of his promises. We need to remind God of his bride, that we are the bride. And um, another thing he did, he rallied the church. Nehemiah rallied 
not the church, but the Israelites. He rallied them to build the walls. We need to rally the church. We need to rally one another. We need to encourage one another. And he also ignored the threats of those around him. Ignored the threats of those around him. Church, I believe, and you can go back and listen to my sermon two weeks ago, I believe that God is speaking in powerful ways during this time. I do believe that, that God is not only speaking, but I do believe that we are closer now more than ever to his coming. I, I, I know I, I've heard the same thing when I was this tall. But I'm telling you, the signs are there. The signs are there. We're just a little bit distracted. Uh, so the first week we talked about what, what is the lifestyle of, of, of idols look like? There's, there's, uh, there's destruction. There's things torn down. Maybe in your life you've had a lifestyle of, of putting things before God, and now you're, you're facing things in your life where things are just being destroyed in your life, in your heart, and you don't know what's going on. Last week, I talked about how before we can understand the seriousness of idols, we've got to understand the incredible love of God. God's love is jealous for you. Not jealous in a way that he's insecure. It's not a middle school jealousy. <laughs> it's a jealousy that is all about you. And he will do whatever it takes to come and find you and rescue you. He will leave the 99 to go after the one. His love is amazing. And before you can understand the seriousness of idol worship, of, of putting things before God, you've got to understand the love of God. Because God wants all of you. He gave him, he gave all of himself, and now he wants all of you. So today, we're, for the next three weeks, starting today, we're getting into uh, specific idols that we're going to talk about in our culture. And so, just like Indiana Jones approached the Temple of Doom, we are going to walk into certain temples in our life. You may have seen some of these temples. You may have experienced some of these temples. And today, the temple we're going to walk through is called the Temple of Pleasure. Ooh, pleasure. We like pleasure. We like when things please us. So we're getting into this temple of, of pleasure. And with this temple of pleasure, we're going to talk about three specific idols that you're going to see as you walk through the halls of this temple of pleasure. Okay, so imagine you're Indiana Jones, you got the hat, you got the whip, you got the, the torch, you're walking through. Maybe there's some spiders or snakes or rats, you know, just get beyond that. But you're navigating through this, this temple, this old temple of pleasure, which is really your heart. And as we navigate this temple of, of, of pleasure, we all, we all have some idols in our temple of pleasure. There's three I want us to focus on today. Food, sex, and entertainment. Those three things. Those three things, I believe in our culture, are huge idols 
of pleasure in our culture. Now, I'm going to warn you of something. I may step on some toes today. I don't apologize. It's just a warning. I'm not being mean. I'm just being faithful. Okay? With love, because um, I had, while I was preparing this sermon, I had to wear steel-toed boots myself because it spoke to my heart as well. So let's talk about the first idol, the idol of food, the idol of food in this temple of pleasure. You know, you may think, why, why would food be an idol? Food is something that we need. We need food. Yes, we do need food. We do need food to sustain ourselves, absolutely. And, but <clears throat> according to the Center of Disease Control, 68% of Americans are overweight and one-third of Americans are obese. It would be hard to argue that the idol of food is less than a central power in this country. But it's not just the scales that tell the story. I've got friends, you may have friends, they can eat all they want and they don't gain a pound. Don't you just hate those people? They could down a dozen Krispy Kremes and then not phase them. I'm like, man, I want that. But it's also food, the idol of food can, can also be something to where you're so concerned about it that you're all about this diet and this Workout. You know those people too, right? Where they're like, just so like physically fit, you know? Had a friend of mine on Facebook. I'm not going to tell who he is. He might be watching. Sorry. But I had a friend of mine on Facebook who posted a picture yesterday. And he's, he's, he's a great friend. He's uh, uh, someone in the community. And he's just like this bodybuilder, right? And he, I'm, I'm th- going through Facebook. I'll talk about Facebook later. It's coming. But I'm going through Facebook, and I, and I see, and he's there with his kids by the pool, and his shirt is off. And I'm like, dude. And Suzanne's sitting next to me. She goes, oh, wow. <laughs> and she rubs my belly, and she goes, come on, Frank. You could do that. <laughs> and so I literally put on there, name, Thank you for taking a picture without your shirt on, because my wife is now rubbing my belly, you know, telling me, come on, Frank. Of course, he laughed. His wife laughed. A bunch of people laughed. I wasn't laughing. But you have those people, right, to where, and I'm not saying it's, it's an, so much of an idol for this guy. It might be. I don't know. But you get to the point to where it's so much like an idol. Food, food what it does to our life, whether it, we're, we're gaining a lot of weight or we're, we're so scared of the, uh, of the weight and we, we change everything, and everything has to be about that. There are extremes to both of those. There are extremes to both of those. And so, but I do know this. God wants us to enjoy food. Amen. Yes. God wants us to enjoy food. I I got, my wife cooks amazing Cajun dishes, and I love her cooking. It's great. I love food. So God wants us to enjoy that. There's going to be food in heaven, and it's going to be awesome. 
The problem comes when we start to look at to food to do for us what the Lord God alone should do. The problem comes when we start to look to food to do for us what the Lord God alone should do. So when frustrations come, you've had those days when, when you're frustrated and you go home or you're, you're driving away from the office or your school or, 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 or whatever or going to a sales meeting or, or whatever and you're frustrated, you didn't, you didn't nail that, you know, that, that sales meeting or the sales quota or, or maybe some, some students were after you or maybe your boss, you know, reamed you up and down or, or whatever it is. You, you, you have those, those frustrations. Who do you turn to the most? Where do you go? When you go home, or before you go home, what's the first thing you do? Man, I, when I'm really frustrated, I don't go to the church. I go to the second best place. I go to Chick-fil-A. And I get me a large, amen, cookies and cream milkshake. And I'm like, oh, yes. This makes everything better. That's why my wife is rubbing my belly. So I get that, that food because I'm frustrated. And I'm like, I just need to, I need to offload this, and I just need some comfort food. That's why we call it comfort food. You may get home. You may have those comfort foods that you go to. Yes. But can I tell you something? Before I drive through Chick-fil-A, and I'm not saying driving through Chick-fil-A is bad, but before I drive through Chick-fil-A and order me a milkshake, I, need, I should pull over into Target or wherever and just stop the car and say, God, you and I need to talk. I, I, I don't know how to handle this or I'm having a tough time with this or I need your patience, or I need your understanding. Lord, we, I need to come to you. Lord, I need you. Just like the song we just sang. Lord, I need you. Not Chick-fil-A milkshake. I need you. And so when we turn to food as something that God wants to fulfill in our life, then we lay it before God. Okay, we lay, and it's not a hierarchy. We, we, we learned that the last couple of weeks. It's not a hierarchy. It's not like first place, second place, third place. No, it's, what that means is before God is in his presence. But God said, you shall have no idols before me. The, he, the translation isn't before like first place, second place. It's in my presence. And so as, as we turn to other things like food, the idol of food in this temple of pleasure, we are creating that as an idol. We need to trust in the comforting Father instead of comfort food. Jesus reminded us in John chapter six, verse 35, and just so you know, there's, there's not a major set of chapter or, or, or verses that we're gonna just hang out with today. So John six, verse uh, 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It doesn't mean that, that Jesus is a bread of, of, of life, that he actually gives you the bread. And actually, this, this passage was spoken after Jesus fed the 5,000. He fed the 5,000. He literally 
provided bread and fish, went across the lake. Next day, the people came to the other side of the lake. They saw he was there. They wanted more food. They asked him. He said, hmm, look, I'm the bread of life. Meaning he's talking to himself. I am the bread. I am the one that can supply your desires, your needs. I am your comfort. Me, me alone. Come to me. If you come to me, you will not thirst again. He frees us from an abusive, dysfunctional relationship with food because he is our portion. And in him, we discover what we were searching for all along. He is our portion. So if food is an idol in this temple of pleasure, and let me let you know something. Idols are not defeated by being removed, but by being replaced. I'm going to say that a few more times in my sermon today, but I'm going to say it again now. Idols are not defeated by them being removed, but by, but by being replaced. Okay? It's important. See, I'm going to remove this idol. I'm going to remove the best thing to do is replace it. So instead of letting food be that something that you turn to, turn to Jesus. Replace with Jesus. Time with Jesus. Or with another believer who can walk with you. And say, you may say, look, Food has become an idol in my life. I need your help. I need an accountability partner. Okay? So, idol number one in the temple of pleasure, food. Idol number two in the temple of pleasure, sexual pleasure. Sexual pleasure. Like food, this particular idol is a gift from God himself. Food is a gift. Sex is a gift within the confines of, of his um, plan for our lives. We have been designed so that the level of intimacy we have with our spouse is directly related to the depth of intimacy that we have with Christ. But isn't it amazing how some of the richest and most beautiful gifts from God are often the same gifts that are twisted into hideous and destructive idols. We see that with food as we talked about it. Food is a gift. Sexual pleasure is a gift. But we t when it becomes an idol, when it becomes a God, it gets morphed into something that it was never designed to be food, and sexual pleasure. Um, God designed sex in such a way that it doesn't just accomplish a purpose, okay? It, it accomplishes a purpose to procreate the earth, have children. But it, it also brings pleasure. All his gifts point us back to him. The gift 
should cause us to love and worship the giver more deeply, but all too easily, God's gift to us end up being his greatest competition. God's gifts to us often become his greatest competition. He gives us this gift, we turn it around to make it something that it's not. Or we use it in a way that doesn't connect us with God. Let me give you an example. With our six kids, it's natural that they're going to want some sort of communication device. So over the years, we have gradually had phones. I mean, a lot of times it's just like pass me, you know, hand-me-downs and, and people that are selling or just giving them away. And some of our kids just get phones from friends, and we're like, okay, that's good. So, but we have, whether you get a phone or not, we do have certain rules, obviously, within the phone. In fact, just yesterday, we sat down with our kids, and we're like, okay, we're, we're, we've got a lot of phones in our family, and so we want to make sure that you understand the, the boundaries and the guidelines. And so we sat down with our kids, even the kids that don't have phones yet, and we say, here's a contract, literally. It's a contract that tells you know, what the reason why we have the phone and, and the consequences for breaking some of these rules. And so if they want to continue to use their phone, if they want a phone in the future, we make them sign a contract. And if they don't agree to that contract, no phone. It's really easy. But let's just say, one of my kids, they want, they want a, an iPhone. And it's their birthday or maybe one of the big birthdays or Christmas and and we're able to, to get them an iPhone. It might be a hand-me-down. We don't know, but whatever. But we get them a phone. We're like, hey, happy birthday or Merry Christmas. And they receive the gift with great joy. And then what happens is they put earbuds in. They go up in their room. They're always looking at their phone. And they're not even communicating with us. And so we're like, hmm, so the gift we gave you, you're using it in such a way that you're not even connecting with us. And so the gift now becomes a God, and that God is in between us and our kids. And so that's one reason why we set some parameters with having a phone. But just use it as an example. The gifts that God has given to us, such as some of the pleasures in life. The great pleasures in life, it is a beautiful gift from God. Okay, the gift of intimacy with your spouse, it is a beautiful gift from God. But when we distort that, when we use it in such a way that it becomes a God, that it comes between us and God himself. This happened because the gift became or becomes more important than the giver. The gift becomes more important than the giver. Sex is a beautiful thing until it loses its spiritual context. When something good becomes a God, the pleasure it brings dies in the process. When a gift becomes a God, the pleasure that it was intended to bring, it, it dies. The God of sexual pleasure become, uh, promises you incredible satisfaction, but it 
ultimately will fail us. As you surf websites or maybe keep going a little bit further each date with, a, with someone you're dating or um, seeing certain movies, the, um, the desires of pleasures actually become hollow. This, this idol delivers the opposite of what is promised. Instead of satisfaction, you experience emptiness and almost immediate hunger for something more. When we pers- pursue pleasure as an idol, pleasure disappears. It disappears. Did you know that um, more money, I, I, I read this this week, this is amazing. It's sad, but it's amazing. Did you know that more money is spent on pornography than pro baseball, basketball, and football combined? Pro baseball, basketball, and football combined. It also, pornography also grossed more money than ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox combined last year. But it's not just our money that we're sacrificing to this idol. Many have sacrificed their marriage, their children, and their careers. I know many pastors who sacrifice their calling for certain sexual idols. The bowing down and worshiping of this idol begins in the mind. We see in 2 Corinthians 10.5 where the Apostle Paul says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In the temple of pleasure, it's a battle between these pleasures being a gift or God. When good, when the good things in life, when the good pleasures in life become a God, our pleasures disappear and our pleasures will often turn to pain. The pleasures they were intended to bring us from God himself they will either disappear or they will morph into pain in our life. When we worship sex as an idol, we find that it leads to the exact opposite of the original design. Let me give you some examples. Here's some examples. Ready? As a gift, and I'm talking about sexual pleasure, as within the confines of, of a spouse, as a gift... It brings connection. As a God, it causes loneliness. As a gift, it brings pleasure, obviously. As a God, it leads to emptiness. As a gift, it brings satisfaction. But as a God, it demands slavery. It traps you. As a gift, it brings intimacy. But as a God, it brings separation. As a gift, it brings unity. As a God, it often causes divorce. And so, 
the sexual pleasure that we have, the sexual pleasure that we, that we have, and it's a gift from God, and, and, and the way we use it as a gift, we, we use it like, like we should. Like, there, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with this, with this device, with this phone, okay? If I use it in an immoral way, then it's used in a way that brings me further and further away from God. The gift of sexual intimacy within the confines of marriage is something that God wants us to enjoy, just like food. He wants us to enjoy that. But they both, when they become a God, will bring emptiness and pain, and the pleasure will disappear. So we come to the third idol. It's our last idol in this temple of pleasure. The idol of entertainment. And I want to remind you that idols are defeated not by being removed, but by being replaced. So um, entertainment, I looked up the word entertainment. I looked up the definition. It means something affording pleasure. There's our, there's our P word. Something affording pleasure, diversion, or amusement. Sometimes we, we just want a diversion in life. I just want to be entertained, okay? Or obviously, I want, I want to laugh. I want to enjoy. I want to have, you know, I want to enjoy life, okay? I want to be happy. We as a society are easily entertained as evidenced by sports, television, movies, video games, internet, so on and so forth. Uh, let's just take, for instance, sports. So, so let, let's just say an alien ship came down, and, and if it came down now, there'd probably be, with what's going on in the world, there'd probably be some people who just want to go. But let's say an alien ship came down, and they, they, they hovered over a football stadium. And maybe not one now. Let's maybe go look at a football stadium from last year, because... <laughs> They're going to be a little bit empty this year. But, so they hover over a football stadium, and what do they see? Um, they would think it was a, a worship service of some god whose temple is a stadium. And, it, and that the sacred ground, it's a sacred ground to, to many weekend pilgrimages of people coming to this, to this temple. The priest are in zebra stripes. It's gods where their names on their back. Its doctrine is the fan chance with the sacrifice being the millions of dollars for tickets and team gear. You would think it kind of looks like a worship service, doesn't it? Now, I'm not saying that going to a football game is a bad thing. The Bennett House, we love our football. Could it be an idol? Maybe. Maybe. Um, I mean, our, our college team had a great year last year. You know? It's not always that every year, but it's awesome. So, yeah, just we, we, we guide our calendar around the football team. <laughs> yeah. So maybe there's some idolatry there. You know, we do hang the flag on our front porch. Yeah. We do wear the colors and the brand going to places, yeah. But, you know, I got convicted when, when I visited a, uh, a, a church member's house, 
And just like my, my front porch, they had an American flag. And even though they, had, they cheer for, some, for their own football team, guess what they had on the other side of, of the front porch next to the American flag? They had the Christian flag. And it's still flying there. And I was like, wow, look at that. And I walked away going, man, I'm, I'm kind of put to shame. You know, I'm putting, I've got where, where, the, where the LSU football flag is, I should really put a Christian flag, right? Yes. So we, we have our idols. We have, we have it within sports, we have these sort of worship services. But much like food and sexual pleasure, God has given us the ability for recreational sports and to enjoy it all. Football is not a bad thing. Baseball, basketball, it's not a bad thing. I don't really get into NASCAR, but you know, you do you. But it's easy to turn this gift into a God, to bow down and to take a knee to its pleasure. Another, video games. Video games in the entertainment pleasure. Today's extreme gamers spend, do you know that they spend like 48 hours per week glaring at, at the monitor? Only to get up to go to the bathroom or the next, uh, or the next monster drink? That's a lot. Professional gamers. Now, I'm hearing that there are some professional gamers who make a lot of money. And it's kind of a new thing to me. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And I've kind of tuned in a little bit to YouTube. as, Of course, you've got to kind of watch some of the language and that kind of stuff. And so I turn it off. But, you know, there are some, you know, people making money on that. But there's a lot of people who they just spend hours and hours and hours playing games. Another, social media accounts. During COVID, there's been a ton of very interesting things come across our phone and computer screens. I have literally laughed my head off at some of the things that are coming over, you know, when they started canceling sports and, you know, some of the things they had for that and everything. But there's also a lot of very, very serious things that have come across our social media. And so what are we doing? We're scrolling. We're scrolling. I don't even want to look at how many hours I've spent this week just scrolling. And as I was, I was preparing this, I got convicted, and I, I think a, a media fast is coming to the Bennett home, at least to my heart, very, very soon. Because I have placed some things ahead of God, before God, in his presence. God's like, hmm, let me know when you're done with that, and maybe we can talk. And so, we all have these certain idols that we come to time and time. But as I scroll my phone and just sit there, sit there, sit there, you may have caught yourself doing the same thing. Have you ever thought of because this word came to mind this week. The word meaningless. 
meaningless. Just wasting time. Meaningless. It's like, what good is this? What am I doing? Just meaningless. Now, I'm not saying that social media is a bad thing, okay? But it could easily turn into a God thing. That meaningless word reminded me of what Solomon, the wisest man, King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1.14, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. You know, Solomon had all the girls, all the money, all the entertainment. He had it right in the palm of his hand. He even went above and beyond to try to live it up, live his life to the best. And what happened? When it all ended, you know, it's meaningless. It's just meaningless. Instead of getting entertained at this idol of entertainment, instead of getting entertained, we increasingly become the opposite. We get bored. We get bored. How do I know we get bored by entertainment? I could, I could see it in today's technology. Some of you parents and some of you adults in this room could maybe remember, remember the days where you had to listen to the whole song? Right? Like, you put the cassette in there, okay? And, and sometimes it would, sometimes you listen to a song and a half because it might be in the middle of the previous song or whatever, and so you finish that song and you just, you wait for your song, or maybe you could fast forward to it, you know, whatever, but you listen to the whole song. Or you listen to the whole song because it was on the radio. You're like, I'm gonna listen to the song. And why? Because it's on the radio. Nowadays, we don't listen to the whole song. I catch myself all the time because we get Spotify accounts and you may have different music streaming accounts, but you're like a verse, a chorus, maybe a bridge. Uh, okay, next song. Next song. Mm, I've heard that one again. And it's like we're not committed. We're not committed to the whole song. Same with movies. Same with movies. Growing up, we had three channels, and you turned them like this, with the dial or with um, a vice grip <laughs> when you lost the, the knob, you just turned it. I was the remote control. And so you would, my dad or my mom would say, hey, turn the channel. We'd, and, and guess what? When we, when, we sat, when we sat down and watched TV, we watched the whole thing, including, guess what? Wait for it. The commercials. Yeah. We watched the commercials. And nowadays, it's like, nope, nope. In fact, there's, there's one of our children in our house. They will, will remain nameless. They actually fast forward to the end of a movie to see how it's going to end. <laughs> to prepare themselves for it. And they come back to the beginning. <laughs> but at least, you know, I guess it got to the end, right? But we don't watch whole movies anymore. Uh, I don't like this scene. No, I'm bored. Fast forward. Fast forward. 
We're bored. We're bored. How can we be bored when there's 250 channels on our TV? What do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? I don't know. Can you find anything? I can't find anything to watch. You know? And we find ourselves just scrolling, 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 scrolling. We're bored. We're so stinking bored. You know why we're bored? Because it's become a God instead of a gift. You know why you're bored? If you're bored with your, with your sexual life, it's because it's become a God instead of a gift. You know why we have issues with, with food? It's because it's become a God instead of a gift. And so we are so empty. We are so empty with, the, with having these three idols in our life as we turn them into gods instead of gifts. So I want to remind you, idols are defeated not by them being removed, but by them being replaced. What do you need to replace your idols with? These three idols of entertainment and your temple of pleasure. What do we need to re replace these idols with? The gift of food, if it's turned into a god or an idol, instead of turning to that, turn to Jesus to be the one who can fill you up and sustain you. I love the scene, the woman at the well. Mm, it's so great. The best, the best showing of this, um, we, we have watched, and many of you have done the same thing, um, this sort of television series called The Chosen. If you haven't watched it yet, you need to do it. Just get, get, the, get the mobile app, watch it. But the scene, the woman at the well, brings me to tears every time. And she goes away, and she's so happy that she's found the Messiah. She goes and tells people. And the disciples come back from, they're in town, and they come back, and, and they, they're bringing food because it's, it's lunchtime. So they pass her on, and she goes to town, and they're coming back with food. And, hey, Jesus, we got your food. He says, I'm not hungry. I've... I have food you know nothing about. Um, Jesus is our bread of life, our water. We will never run dry. He is a source of our comfort, not food. Okay? As we're, as we're turning to things that are sexual immorality, we're taking the gift of... Of, of, of sex and turning it and twisting it around. They're either, you know, pornography or, or doing things, going further, going to first, second, third, fourth base, home base or whatever, home run or, you know, whatever you call it these days. 
Okay? We are, we are living a life of sexual immorality. And so God wants to be the one that can fulfill your life. Entertainment. God is one. Just turn to Jesus. I need you, Jesus. God, I need you. So every head bowed, every eye closed as we close out this service. Um, I want to make sure whether you're here or you're watching online, I want to make sure you understand the seriousness of idols. We talked about the seriousness last week that God loves you so much. He wants all of you. And, and in this temple of pleasure, these three idols are very serious. But they were not intended to be misused. They're gifts for us to enjoy. And if you turned your gift into a God or an idol, you need to confess that to you, the Lord right now. So at this time, if there's anyone, it's like, you know, God, I'm, I, I've turned social media into a God. I've turned gaming into a God. I've placed that in front of you, and I am sorry. I've looked at things online I should not be, not be looking at. Or God, I, I keep turning to this, to, to food. I keep putting food ahead of you, in front of you, in your presence. And that's not your plan. I keep distorting that gift. Please forgive me of that. Whatever it is, take that opportunity to confess that. And then ask the Lord, Lord, show me what I can replace that with. I know I can replace it with you, dear Jesus, but what are some, what are some practical things that I can replace that with? Show me. Send some people in my life that can help me. I want to honor your gifts that you've given to me. And if you're sitting here today and you've never accepted Christ, know this, he wants to be your savior. <laughs> he does. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. We never talk about a religion. We always talk about a relationship. And if you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, you could just simply say, Jesus, Please forgive me my sin. Forgive me of the times that I messed up. And his grace is sufficient. He can receive that. Ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, to come into your life. And help him. Ask him to help you live for him. Lord, help me to live for you. I want to follow you. Father, as, as we close out this time together, remind us, Lord Jesus, that there are some idols in our life that we've, we've got to tear down, we've got to get rid of, and that really starts with replacing them. Give us wisdom, show us, Father, what we can do to replace that with, with your presence, with your word, with, with other believers, with fellowship. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord.
for putting things, setting things before you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.